0: Which is one of the biggest decisions one makes in their whole life. The wedding day can arguably be the busiest, most hectic, and deeply emotional days. It's a heart-filled commitment between a man and a woman that represents the true and deep relationship that Christ has with his bride, the church. My wife and I made the commitment to spend our lives together five years ago. My wife and I celebrate our fifth anniversary in five days. Uh, Marriage is the context in which we start this story that we are about to hop into. But if one of us in this marriage relationship was to betray the other and betray that covenant, it it would be heartbreaking. It would be tragic. It would be scandalous. Our World Weekly hears of scandal. Recently, the World watched Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, struggle through their relationship very publicly on television. And weekly, we hear of X person cheating on his wife or vice versa. Uh, it's at this point becoming numbing to hear of it. Adultery and unfaithfulness are so rampant in our world. We live in a scandal-filled world. We are so numb to it that we think sometimes that it just happens, as if somehow people don't choose to do it. We make excuses for them like it just happens. For the next 30 minutes, I need us to rewind and reframe our minds to think and remind ourselves that this remains one thing, scandalous. Back to the point that we remind ourselves that it's not supposed to happen, that our relationships are supposed to mean something deeper than what we can gain from it. And, and why? Because I would argue that this may be the most scandalous chapters in all of scripture. So before we dive into it, I would like to pray for us. So Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would be in this room today. God, that you would be opening our hearts and opening our minds. Lord, that I would lay down my own pride and that you would fill me with your words. That there would be just a sense of of your nearness today. God, that we would leave this place changed and excited about living out your kingdom. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Cool. I invite you guys to open your Bibles to Hosea. We're gonna start in Hosea chapter two. And whether you have a paper one or you have the app uh, or you're sitting at home, I need you to find one. Uh, If you don't own one, there are ones in the pews. They are free for the taking, our gift to you. Uh, So as you're opening to Hosea chapter two, little background, Hosea is called one of the minor prophets, not because it's less important, Not because it's minorly important, but because it's just shorter than all the other ones. Uh, Hosea is the prophet of God, happening around 700 BC in the rule of Jeroboam II, uh, probably happening around chapter 15 of 2 Kings in the Bible, right before Israel is to fall to Babylon. And... Continue to live in Babylon. So, this is what the Lord spoke t- to Hosea. The Lord said to Hosea, Go, take of yourself a wife of whoredom, and have a children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Hosea 1, verse 2. Uh, I didn't say today that uh, this would be a kid friendly sermon. I forgot to preface that. Uh, they may join us at the beginning of service, but. There's a reason why they left. It's not not my fault, I promise. Uh, So Hosea being the God-following man and God-fearing man that he was, went and did what God asked him to do. Marrying a prostitute named Gomer and despite her old lifestyle and Hosea knowing her past and the way that she lived, Hosea chooses to marry and things go well. She would give him a son They would name him Jezreel because of a city that Israel fought and attacked. Were they supposed to, it's arguable. Uh, But things would not remain as blissful in their relationship. Uh, The weight of Gomer's past and the lusts of her heart would take Gomer back to her old life, back to attracting random men who are not her husband, taking payment for her body from strangers and forgetting her relationship with her husband from her ventures Gomer would eventually get pregnant twice more not with Hosea and they would name the children no mercy meaning God will show no more mercy on Israel and to not my people because Israel will no longer be God's people but like Gomer how much how much and how often do God's people continually lose sight of him time and time again? Gomer pursues her other lovers and eventually that pursuit would become more important to her than her relationship with Hosea. They have not listened to the prophets. They have not sought out God's ways, just like Gomer placed other idols before her true love. Does it sound familiar? How, how often we run from things we need. We, we place idols or the gods of comfort, money or personal desires before our one true God. We tell ourselves, I feel distant from God right now. Yet, when was the last time we did anything to draw closer to him? God is still the same when he was when he first came to him. He's still pursuing you. He's still the same loving God he was when we first met him. Yet we become unfaithful. And this thought, this situation is where we begin to experience chapter two. Uh, it's a very hurt and saddened Hosea and a very far off and running Gomer. So we're going to read from verse one. That's so why she goes join me. Plead with your mother, plead for she's not my wife, and I'm not her husband plead that she would put away the whoring from her face and the adultery from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born and make her like the wilderness and make her a parched land and kill her with thirst. Upon her children also I will have no mercy because they are children of whoredom for their mother has played the whore She who conceived them has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers. I will give my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. So what's happening here is Gomer is, the passage is displaying that Gomer has remained in this life of prostitution after her marriage to Hosea. She's left her family and pursued her own desires. Continuing on to verse 6. Therefore, I will hedge up her ways with thorns. I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. She will pursue her lovers, but not overtake them. And she'll seek them, but shall not find them. Then she'll say, I will go and return to my first husband for it was better for me there than it is now. And she did not know that it was I, Hosea, who gave her the grain, the wine and the oil and who lavished her with silver and gold, which she used for Baal. So this section is Hosea slash God's effort to win back Gomer and Israel. It's him making an effort to direct her back to him, but she still chooses to go her own way. Around the blockades, around the roses and the bushes, Hosea buys her gifts and she takes them, thinking they're from her other lovers. Israel takes everything that God has given them and they worship other gods, giving credit to others for the work that God and Hosea have done. Continuing on in verse nine. Therefore, I will take back my grain in its time, my wine in its season, and I will take my wool and my flax which were to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewness in the sight of her lovers and no one shall rescue her out of my hand. I'll put an end to all her mirth, her feasts, her moons, her Sabbaths and all her appointed feasts. I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees of which she said, these are my wages, which my lovers have given me. I will make them like a forest and the beasts of the field will devour them. And I will punish her for the feasts of the days of Baal when she burned offerings to them and she adorned herself with ring and jewelry and went after her lovers and forgot me, declares the Lord. I think, I think for me, that, that's the craziest part of the beginning part of this story is that not only does he pursue her so heavily, she forgets him. Totally out of her mind, not even a thing anymore, forgot him. So Hosea puts thorns in her way, adds blocks to her roads, but she still tries so hard to pursue her other lovers. One writer says it this way, this is the symbol of God's love towards the unfaithful Israelites and the means employed by him to win back them to purity and holiness. Hosea gives her gifts and oil and cash and expensive food and drink just as God has provided for Israel time and time again. Instead, Hosea's, lovers, Hosea's lover confuses the gifts to be from her other lovers and Israel gives credit to the other gods, Baal. They don't see that it is God who loves them and that is pursuing them. Instead, they, they choose to forget him. He wants them to come back to living a better life with him and they forget him. God blocks and closes the doors and offers better ways for us to live than our sinful ways. Yet we still chase after the other gods and the other ways of life. We run to them. We run around the thorns. We run around the walls. We make the effort and more of an effort to run away from God sometimes than we do to run to him. He just wanted us to turn around and stay with him, but he gives us, and he gives us the way to do so, but we choose the opposite. Our escapist behavior is where we seek the most comfortable route, our addictions to our phones, the desires for more Netflix, or sitting around living it easy, or watching 15-second videos on our phones for 20 minutes every morning and every night. And somehow we think we even get rest from it or enjoyment, but do we Really? They're just distractions from our actual need, a deep, deep and purposeful relationship with Jesus Christ. A Jesus who is still pursuing over and over and over again. Many commentators state this about chapter three of Hosea. So prepare yourself, lean in, uh, get ready. They say that this here in Hosea chapter three is the greatest chapter in all of the Bible my words there. Uh But I, I agree. Because after all the effort that Hosea puts in, the walls, the gifts, the endless pursuit that are only met with constant denial and rejection, God asks this of him. He says, go again, love the woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other God's Hosea has to forgive her for abandoning him, for betraying their relationship and neglecting the love that he has been shown. Hosea, a man of God, probably wearing priest-like robes, basically wandering through the red district of Thailand and walking into brothels and being like every hooker in the neighborhood, have you seen my wife? Gomer, my wife. And, and all of them just they didn't even know that they were still married. They, they answer, no. So he continues his search. And each and every step, his reputation as a respected prophet slowly fading and fading away, every step. So eventually, Hosea finds her. Being sold at an auction, he pulls all of his money together. And he gets into a bidding war with all the other pimps and all the other bidders. And eventually, the price gets a little too high for the other bidders. 15 shekels uh, and some barley is her final price. Only half the price of a slave in the Old Testament, or a little closer for us, half as much that Judas got paid for the price of Jesus' life. But it was probably all that Hosea had, as we can see from the extra barley he has to add to the price. You can just see him getting this feeling of, okay, like I have 15 shekels, this is all I have and them needing more and him going, well, what do you need? Like take my watch, take my car, take my house, take all of my food. I just need my wife back. And he gets this deep, earnest need to have her back. And Gomer goes from being paid f- for her body, for her beauty to having to sell herself for less than a slave. And that didn't matter to Hosea. He just wanted his wife back. So he brought all that he had, cash and a little bit more. And when that ran out, he gave everything available to him to save her. And it kind of sounds like our Jesus, doesn't it? Who, Who gave himself a ransom for all people. First Timothy says. God deeply wanted to show his people that he just wanted them back. It didn't matter what they had done, how far they had gone, it wants them back. The multiple betrayals, the chasing after other gods, the pursuit of evil, and the betrayal of their marriage. Hosea is the clear reminder that we are an unfaithful people who should be moved by Christ's love towards deep faithfulness in him. He wants us. We are his chosen pursuit. So he sought us, he courted us, he won us, and he still wants us. And we betray him. Yet we are being called back to him. This is shown clearly with Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. His perfection, his sinless life, meeting our sin and our unfaithfulness. We are worth everything to him. This is the full invitation to intimacy with the father. Despite your wrongdoing, how far you've run and the ways that you've ignored him. Jesus is still there waiting for you, still pursuing you, allowing thorns to block your path and building walls to direct you back to him. And some people will say, Colton, how can this be the best chapter in the Bible? It's in the Old Testament Or, or maybe you're farther than that point. Maybe you're at this point of saying, Colton, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how far I've gone. There is no way that he would come after me. And I'm gonna remind you of this, one of the most comforting things about the God that we worship. The book of Hebrews says it this way, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That redeeming love and that constant rep- constant pursuit is still chasing you today, just like Gomer. And if you haven't gotten there yet and you haven't figured it out, we are Gomer in this story. We are the prostitute. We are the wandering, the lost, and the one running away. God has the one who has been the same way now and forever. And maybe this idea of marriage isn't, isn't the best example to you. Maybe it doesn't hit you in the same way as someone who's been married or, or has been in, been in a strong commitment. But how, how about this? From, from Luke 15, it says, when a man having a hundred sheep has lost one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder and he rejoices. This is our Jesus leaving and chasing after you. Or there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that I'm going to get when you die. And he divides his property between the two sons. And not many days later, the younger son gathers all that he has gained and took off into a country where he squandered it in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine across the whole country began, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish with hunger. I shall arise and go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, when he was still too far, had done too much and run too far away, his father saw him, felt compassion and ran to him and embraced him and kissed him. And after the son gave his speech, he spills out his spiel. The father says to the servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat, let us celebrate, for this was son was dead and is alive again, lost and is found. And they celebrated. This is our Jesus chasing after you despite pursuing other idols and other gods. One writer reminds us that this kind of love isn't motivated by the object, Israel, Gomer, us. Indeed, the people, the object, turn to other gods. This kind of love, it originates in the heart of God. It's exemplified on the cross. It's illustrated in the parable of this waiting father and expressed in the New Testament word agape. This is the kind of love that keeps on loving no matter what. This is the scandal of our story That despite the fact that we have nothing to bring and have done nothing to acquire this love, we have an open invitation to receive it. It is what we do with that invitation and that love that is our question. So let's ponder this together today. What do we do about this redeeming love? One, I would say we need to come back to our first love. The one who first loved us We need to stop running. We need to repent and turn back to him. And if you've never done that before, it's as simple as this. God, I'm sorry for the wrong that I'm doing. I don't want to do it anymore. And then you remove the things or the activities that are pulling you away from him. We choose to forget him no more. Or two, take a step towards him. Take five minutes a day to read the scriptures. Take One moment a day where you schedule a prayer time to talk to him. Or maybe you need to read a book to help understand him better. Try to learn to actually live a life that shows that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. Kevin Hoosier says it this way in his book, Hearers and Doers. He writes, the Christian way is a long distance walker. A long obedience in the same direction where day in and day out with each step we take, we choose to live in a way that follows Jesus and corresponds to the truth that we have a new life in him. Or three, maybe you relate a little bit more to Hosea in this story. You follow God closely, just like Hosea, you wanna be someone after God's ways. So Hosea is a man of God who follows God so closely that he's willing to give up his reputation and status to represent God's redeeming love to Israel. You may relate deeply with Hosea in this message, but the real question for you then becomes, how is God calling you to assist him in calling the lost home? How are you, how, what are you doing about those you think are too far for him to reach? Are you praying for them? Do you talk to them? Because as we see in this passage, no one is too far from him. So three, share God's redeeming love with those around you. In a moment, we're gonna participate in communion together as a way of us remembering God and what he has done for us. And we're, we're gonna take a moment now to reflect and, and some of us may need to take that time to repent. Uh, I'm going to play a song of, of repentance and acknowledgement of our failure to follow God. And as you read the words or sing along, hold the bread and cup in your hands and take a moment for personal reflection. Remember what he has done for you and the way that he chose you and take a moment to think and repent of the ways that, that you have forgotten him and ask yourself or write it down and say, what, what ways have I been unfaithful to him? So as I play, it's about four minutes, spend four minutes in prayer, whatever you need to, to get yourself in the right space before we stand and, and partake in communion together. Um, but let's spend some time in reflection.
1: We've been married with nail god hands. We've been promised a groom a perfect man. We've been given eternal life in Him. So why would I run again? I was never the purest bride But His blood has covered My whole life I was never the purest bride But His life is a A gift for mine It won't matter how far you've gone he's unfaded and oh so strong he's so strong i was never the purest bride but his blood has covered my whole life I was never the purest bride But His life is a a gift for mine I was never the purest bride But His blood has covered my whole life I was never the purest bride but his life is a a gift for mine, a gift for mine. You come and find me where I am. You're life perfect, and I've been making a mess of mine. You come and find me where I am. You're life perfect, and I've been making a mess of mine. You come and find me where I am. Your life perfect and I've been making a mess of mine Making you mess of mine Making you mess of mine I was never the purest bride But His blood has covered my whole life I was never the purest bride, but his life is a a gift for mine, a gift for mine.